Welcome to episode 63 of Chess Journeys, Tales of Adult Improvement. Here on Chess Journeys, we, we seek to highlight both the glories of rating gains and also the despair of the plateau and even below that. Uh, if you want to support the show, you can go to Patreon Chess Journeys. I want to thank Jay Tuttle, Jay Garrison, Dinah Rich Burgess, Brandon Hallside, David Schreiber, and Lindsay Newhall. Uh, if you want to get some merch with a dude climbing a mountain and it says Chess Journeys on it, you can do that. Check the link below. Uh, I do want to thank our sponsor, Chessable. I'm at about uh, zero or one day's counting. It might be zero. I didn't do it yet today. And my streak got shattered. And I'm still doing the checkmate patterns manual, but not as um, not as often as I was leading into the last event, but I'm still doing it. And also you can do chess journeys. Uh, you can do Chessable for so many different things. You can change your openings, your end games, your tactics, whatever you want. It's on Chessable. I have like 1 billion courses on there and, and growing all the time. Uh, if you want to appear on the show, you can go to the show notes and uh, fill out the form there. And we would be happy to hear your story. And today we have a special guest. We have Sam. She's a dedicated chess improver. She plays in so many over the board tournaments with varying degrees of success that we'll get into. She's recently gone from 800 to 1800 on chess.com in a very short amount of time. She's a former guest on the Chess Fields podcast. There's nothing Sam hasn't done yet, and she is here to share her story. So, Sam, how are you doing today, and have you had a chance to play any chess yet today? Um, today I I'm doing I'm doing all right. I am I'm back in college, so I'm kind of stressed about my work. Um, and the thing is, when I'm stressed about my work and I play chess, I tend to do pretty badly. So I haven't played any today. And I think one thing with my rating game that helps a lot is like I've developed a sense of self-control in regard to like I know if I play right now, I'm probably going to like lose and hang my like blunder or something like I know when I'm right, not in the right headspace, which is why I've never tilted that largely. Like I've tilted maybe like 50 ELO at most, um, but I've never dropped anything more than that because I think I know when to stop like. I got to like 1825 and then like I was procrastinating on homework and played two games and lost and went down to like 18, like 12 or something. And um, then I was like, okay, I'm done. No more chess. I'm going to, I don't want to lose my ELO. So I think yeah. one thing that I'm happy about with myself is uh, that also I, I care more about my rapid ratings than blitz. So also when I'm like, mm. when I know I'm not playing well, I just play blitz instead. <laughs> mm. I don't care much about blitz rating. Um, I do the same. Blitz is kind of like my uh, not on my A game account. I don't need a whole new account for it. I just play Blitz. And therefore, yeah. my Blitz rating is way less than my Rapid rating. Yeah, my Blitz rating is like high 1600s. So wow. it's gotten better, though. I used to be like 13 or 1400 Blitz like two months ago or a month and a half ago or something. Um, yeah, I've had a similar run in the last like two months i've gained several hundred points and i kind of feel bad for the people i'm playing because it's like i haven't been playing blitz when i'm like at my low point i've just been like playing regular chess and so they're getting like the good version of me and they're like what why, why yeah doing... same like the bad version of me dropped me down to like 1300 in blitz um yeah. and then like two months ago i just like snapped out of it and then got up to like 1600 in like two weeks wow <laughs> so um well, when you're, yeah, I, I, yeah, it was something like that. Um, mm -hmm. Two, uh, yeah, two or three weeks or something. All right, um, let's reflect my, on that like, for a moment. 
how good does it feel to go on one of those runs where you're just like, I am in God mode. No one can beat me. Oh, it, it feels great. Um, it makes me like makes my day, you know, like it affects my my personal life. Um, <laughs> it like makes me feel happy. Like I'll be walking around campus going to my class like, hell yeah. I just went on a giant win streak on chess.com. I'm invincible. Yeah. Um, I feel like we need a and, t-shirt and it just for boosts, that. Yeah. And it just boosts my, you know, mental health overall. Now the downside of that is like when I play terrible, I get like down on myself for the whole day. Yeah. Um, it's be so hard. Um, yeah. All right. Let, let me ask some preliminary questions before we get into the big topics today. I like to ask people when they come on, what's your current life situation? Like, it sounds like you're in college, which is probably taking quite a bit of your time. Um, anything else taking your time? Um. Not really. It's just chess in college. Um, okay. And the funny thing is, like, when we do go to, like, um, in Florida, there's a lot of things called kava lounges because there's a mm. lot of uh, Polynesian immigrants in Florida, and they bring kava here, and it's like, it's like a tea bar. And when on, like, the weekends for my free time, I go to the kava lounge and play chess. So, um, so yeah, it's basically just, like, school and chess. Um, All right. And... Um, yeah, I'm a student at New College of Florida. It's like the small honors college of Florida and straight people are minorities here. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> um and um yeah, what other notable things about it? Um, I don't know. It's small and cool. Um okay. I haven't found a lot of chess players yet though. There's like one guy who's like thirteen hundred on chess.com and there's one guy who's like eighteen hundred on Lee Chess. But okay. I enjoy practicing with them. Um, on like the first week I was here, I was like beating beginners in the in the dining hall blindfolded, and it like got a lot of attention, and like everyone thought I was cool. <laughs> yeah. Like I'm known as there's a few Sams on campus, so I'm known as Chess Sam. Nice. I'm known as Chess Sam beating people blindfolded in the dining hall, and then I also I mean... have my giant. I, do, I have a, a giant longboard and I ride that around on campus. It's like okay. an unnecessarily large five foot long longboard. And I ride that around campus and like I dance on it and stuff. So I'm also known as like that. Um, so I guess, yeah, that's another thing I like is longboarding. Okay. But um, I'm also into surfing, but I haven't done that in a while because Florida in the summer, there's not much surfing going on. It's mm, um, too bad um yeah. are you tempted to start up like an official chess team and challenge yeah. other chess uh, programs i i want to start i'm definitely starting a chess club i've already like started that groundwork for that we nice. have a lot of people that signed up like 15 but mo- most of them are like beginners um, yeah i don't know if we could start a chess team because like i don't know if we have any we're good enough like like i shouldn't be board one of a scholastic chess team like i could be like board three or four but mm-hmm you know um just imagine how fun that would be to get to get whomped by like 2400s at other colleges yeah i'll play like the grandmaster at the university of florida or something yeah that'd be great (laughs) Um, then if you even get one win against those people you're like yes that's my moment yeah well i was Uh, thinking um so for the amateur teams because there's the pan-american collegiate games that's all the way in washington yeah. And I don't think our team would be good enough to like warrant traveling all the way to Washington just to get wrecked. So either we could like try and organize some Florida collegiate thing or like I think we'll 
Like I could create like a new college team for like amateur team South. Um, uh yeah but me and the um the trans chess club we want to create we're, we're creating a team for either the north amateur team or the east amateur team and we would mm. have like national master billy as our board one and then like another mm. national master named show on board two and then jj as board three and then me as board four so wow. that's the team i'm excited about that sounds like an awesome team yeah an awesome team um so, yeah, I don't know. We'd have to see. I mean, maybe there's just some very shy and quiet kid who's, like, super good at chess that mm -hmm. I haven't discovered yet. But I've yeah. been playing chess, like, in the dining hall, like, a fair amount, and no one has approached me that's been like, whoa, I'm super good at chess. Um, well, they're all the time, scared like... of you, the blindfold <laughs> master. <laughs> most of the time, it's, like, beginners who are like, I want to learn. That's um, cool. I'm like, okay. Yeah, but I will admit, I I do need to work on my like teaching of beginners. I, I mm -hmm. I'm like good. I mean, not beginners, like novices, like people that are just learning. I don't yeah. think I'm patient enough. I'm like, do you not see that you just moved your piece and it can be captured? Do you not see that? Like, like. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, I'm like sick. It's uh, it's tough. My daughter yesterday played in a tournament over the board. She was she went in the tournament rated one thirty. And she got a big win and gained 50 points. Ooh. Now she's 180. But her signature win on, like, move five, she hung at night. And I was like, well, like, that hangs the night. And she's like, no, it doesn't. And I'm like, yeah, it does. And she's like, well, my opponent didn't see it. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> that, okay, well, That's I'll funny you mentioned a rating of 100 because um, we'll get into this later. But my USCF rating went from 118 from my scholastic years to – I'm approaching 1600 now. I haven't played a tournament in like a month because I'm waiting till my mental health is very good and I'll finally cross 1600. Mm. But, okay. Um, That's cool. Yeah. But yeah, game. like I'm, I'm good at teaching like beginners. Mm -hmm. Like I'm good at, I'm like, think I'm like, <coughs> I'm like fairly good for my level at openings. So I, I love teaching openings and stuff. Mm, openings okay. was like one of the first things i learned in chess um, oh interesting and like you know stuff like that but I, I need to work on teaching people like how to actually like play chess and like move the pieces and stuff okay um let's get into your backstory real quick before we dive into your your massive ratings gain so when did you start learning chess sounds like as a little kid yeah when i was like I, I don't remember the exact, I think I was like seven or something. In like first grade, they had after school programs. My mom mm -hmm. signed me up for chess. And when she told me like, you have chess after school today, I thought she said chest. And I envisioned like some giant treasure chest where they just like gave us candy and stuff. <laughs> so like I show up and I'm like, where's the treasure oh. chest? Are we getting candy and stuff? And I'm just oh, like, oh. this is just a board game. Um, yeah. And they taught us how to play. And I remember I like, Put my opponent in check and they didn't see it and then i captured her king and i was yes. like i win let's go i win this, yeah. this game is easy and then the guy was like no this is not how you win you have to win by checkmate and i was like oh oh damn okay um, <laughs> yeah and then i played in like scholastic tournaments with my friends <coughs> i played in scholastic tournaments with my friends and um what happened was we would uh like travel for tournaments around like the tampa area and mm. 
they needed a third person to play in the, the scholastic tournaments, like for a team. Uh, My friends are both like pretty good for their age. Like they were around like a thousand when they were like eight. And then they got to whoa. like, I think one of them peaked at 1600 before he stopped playing. Like when he was like That's 11 or something. Um, so, um, yeah, so they were both like pretty good. And like, I was like a hundred eight, I was a hundred rated or something. <laughs> And um, my record was like one win, 13 losses, and like one draw. And the win, I'm pretty sure, was like a four move checkmate. Mm. I think it went oh. like, you know, e4, e5, bishop c4, like knight c6, queen and yeah. h5, knight f3. And I was like, knight f6. And I'm like, oh, yay, checkmate. <laughs> I feel like these are really good friends to be like, we'll, we're at a thousand and we're going to have our third teammate be 100. <laughs> Like, were there any yeah. days where they were like, hey, we might have to replace you. Like, you're not as good as we would like you to be. Yeah, well, they, um, well, one, they were little and, like, didn't, like, really, they weren't, like, cognizant enough as, like, eight-year-olds to be able to be like, you suck, you need to leave our team. Because they were all <laughs> just, like, childhood friends. Okay, So, gotcha. like, our parents set it up, so, you know, that's why. And oh, two, okay. I don't think there was anyone else like us. Yeah, that was it. You were you were their choice, and you were their friend. Well, that's cool. That sounds like a fun time. I feel a little bit bad for my daughter. She doesn't have any friends at these tournaments. And then, like, we played this tournament on Wednesday night, and I I didn't even realize this for some reason, but there's like 35 people there, and she's the only girl there. And I was like, oh yeah. And I asked her about it, and she was like, oh yeah, I don't care. I like beating up on anybody. I was like, okay, that's cool. That's Glad good. That that's but I do think, like, with like development, like scholastic chess, like girls would be more likely to retain it if like there were more people like them there, like their age. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. She's always excited when she gets to play another little girl, and uh, like we've we've been to this other tournament, and every time she has gotten to play another girl, little girl. So that's pretty been pretty fun for her. Um, cool. okay. So you had great success as a child, achieving the lofty <laughs> heights of the low 100s. Uh, when did you jump back into chess where you, you know, got to 800? Yeah, I mean, I, um, I, I didn't, I stopped playing chess for a while. I think in my high school years, I would randomly download chess.com and like play a bit. Mm. And I would always hover around, like, I would make an account and, like, start at 1,200 and then drop down to, like, 800 around there. And then, like, mm -hmm. you know, I would hold my weight around eight to 900. Um, uh -huh. But, like, I never practiced. I never learned anything. I was just, like, playing, going for, like, you know, night forks and early checkmates and stuff. Yeah. Um. So then I, I just, like, stopped playing for a few years after high school. And then at a Kava Lounge near me in Tampa, there would been chess nights. And um, I would play, I, I saw that, I found out they did chess nights. And I was like, oh, that sounds super cool. I want to play in this chess tournament. Sounds fun. So I downloaded at chess.com again. My skill was about 800, which at the time I was super insecure about. I was like, damn, I'm so bad at chess. Like, um, mm -hmm. but honestly in retrospect i'm like that 800 is not bad for someone who like didn't practice at all and just downloaded the app and just like oh played yeah games. pretty amazing yeah uh, so i guess 800 is like my baseline skill level like knowing like mm -hmm. you know everything i learned as a kid like the basic concepts um 
So from that, that's how I started at 800. Um, you know, yeah, I, I got down to like 790 at my lowest, but then I kind of made it back up to like 850 or something before okay. I started like actually studying. Um, and then just playing at that chess club kind of motivated me. Someone was like, I was like, who should I watch to get better at chess? Mm. And he was like, Gotham Chess. <laughs> and th this was like January 2021 or February 2021. Oh, okay. So it was actually back when he posted a lot more educational content. So like I learned a lot from him, mm -hmm. um, like openings and stuff and just like chess concepts. Yeah. Um, And then just like slowly um, over those next few months, like I, after learning like solid openings, like I learned uh, the peer fence slash Kings Indian for black. Because mm -hmm. um, you could, you know, for a beginner, you can play that setup against like everything. Yeah. So that's why I like recommend it for beginners. Um, and then like I would just play e4, e5 and go for fried livers until like um I got to like 1000 on chess.com after like just learning openings and like learning like basic concepts. Like I got to 1000 from 800 to 1000 in like a few weeks, maybe a month or so. Hmm. Um and then once I got to like 1000, 1100, I started uh watching more like higher level opening theory stuff which like i probably shouldn't have been doing but um okay. i found the hanging pawns youtube channel and started watching his uh, videos on the catalan so oh, i've been wow. playing that cattle i've been start i've been playing the catalan since i was like 1100 i mean back then i was pretty My bad at goodness. it but like yeah that's such a sophisticated opening that's so impressive that you're like i'm 1100 i can handle the catalan yeah, I was like writing down like opening theory and variations in a notebook. Like I didn't really know what I was writing. I didn't really know what I was doing. Like I was just yeah. like, okay, if they do, if they play the early DC four and a six, I need to play a four to prevent b five. And mm -hmm. then you know, if they do this, I do this. Like I, you know, I wasn't very good. I mean, you could like in retrospect be like, that's probably not the best thing for an eleven hundred to be studying, but sure. it's very helpful in the fact that like. I'm still playing that opening today. So everything I learned back then is still in use now. Yeah. So do you recommend that? Do you recommend sort of finding an opening you resonate with and then just sticking with it and honing it? I don't know. I, I, I don't know if like my experience is like good for everyone else, but I would say like, if they, if they think it works for them, I think learning some basic opening theory is good because it teaches you a lot of like chess concepts and opening principles. Mm -hmm. Um, but also like they may not be like want to learn theory. They could just play like setup openings and just get good at all the other stuff, which is yeah. like equally as good. Because there's people that are that get like decently high level without learning much opening theory. So I wouldn't say it's like a prerequisite, but I will say that like me learning like D four and then like eventually the Catalan. And the King's Indian slash Pierk for Black did jump me up from like 800 to 1200 in like a few months. Um, yeah. Do you not think just that's openings, because... learning tactics and stuff, all the basics. Mm. Do you think that studying so much opening theory sort of gave you confidence as well as knowledge? Like it made it easier for you to kind of get into a game knowing like, I know generally where this game is going and that sort of gave you a leg up? Yeah, I, I think um that is definitely a big aspect of it. <laughs> and um there was also like a general like I just liked being told what to do. Like them mm -hmm. being like, Oh, 
if this happens, you have to do this. And if this happens, you have to do this. I just found it easier to play with them being like, oh, if your opponent does this, you do this. You know, I felt I felt that was that was good. Now, obviously, yeah. you can't solely rely on that, especially at lower levels, because yeah. rarely did my opponents actually play the opening theory that I was learning. Yeah. Even nowadays, like, I'll study a lot of, like, Sicilian Richter Rouser theory, like classical Sicilian Richter Rouser theory, and like only when I get higher level opponents, they actually play into it. Um, yeah, I hear you. Um, I mean, that's that's why I gave up the Nidor because I was just like, no one at my level even plays the open Sicilian, let alone knows any Nidor theory. So what am I yeah. doing? One thing Cause... I love about the Rouser, though, about the classical Sicilian, is <clears> most people. At my rating on like chess.com or like over the board, my over the board elo, they don't know the Richter Rouser attack. They play like bishop e3, which is like actually theoretically really bad against the classical Sicilian. Like uh, it's the main line against the dragon, it's the main line against the Nidorf, but against the yeah. classical, it's really bad because because uh, knight g4 is really strong. So it's mm -hmm. like a chance for them to mess up. It's yeah. like when I'm playing white against the Slav defense and they play bishop f5 prematurely and mm -hmm. like. I win. I've won a lot of tournament games where they just play Bishop F5 prematurely and I go Queen B3 and then they self-destruct. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Because uh, that pawn is hanging. Well, that's really yeah, interesting. Did you find, though, that you hit like a middle game where you're like, oh, I've just delayed the inevitable moment where I don't know what I'm doing? Or did you feel like in your opening work, you kind of got middle game plans as well to where that kind of guided you through the middle game? Yeah, I would say it's definitely mixed. Um, okay. I would say I didn't run into that as much at lower levels because, like, it's just, like, whoever hangs the last piece, like, doesn't loses, you know? Yeah. Um, but in my jump from, like, my current rating now over the board and, like, chess.com, that was a big part of, like, why I stagnated at 1,600 for a few months. Hmm. And why I've been like stagnating at fifteen hundred on USCF rating. I think it is a big element of like I need to learn like actual like I need to learn middle game plans. I need to know what to do, because um, that's why I'm like I think I play worse when my opponent does not play into mainline theory. Gotcha. Right when they play mainline theory, you're like I know what to do, and when they don't play into it, you're like Whoa, I haven't actually learned all the middle game strategies here. I learned this particular line and, and what are you doing? You were supposed to play into it. Yeah. Um, so I think that's a big thing. Like I've been like me and JJ and like, you know, I have a few coaches. Um, um, and like one thing I've been working on over the past two months is like actually like understanding middle games and like, you know, practicing end games and stuff moving yeah. beyond just like opening theory. Cause I remember like, Last summer when I was preparing for over the board chess for the first time, I was just like reading opening books, mm. which are really hard to read. Like, like yeah. opening books are so hard because of all the variations they cover. But, but that alone, you know, it, it doesn't. Um, there's a lot more you have to do than just openings. Yeah, so it sounds like from eight hundred to twelve hundred, you did a bunch of video work to get some concepts down. You got an opening repertoire. So then what happened when you hit to 1,200? How did you take that next step? Um, well, actually, 12 to 1,300 was also relatively quick. 
I had a big stagnation at 1300. Like my chest improvement, mm-hmm. like I st- I plateaued a lot. Gotcha. My big plateaus were like 1200, 1300, and then 1600. Okay. How did we get through the 1300 plateau then? Because I think a lot of people. Yeah, get that one. There. That one took a while. Um, thing is, my USCF rating was like I was beating 1400s like over the board and 1500s over the board and drawing 1600s. But my chess.com, yeah. for some reason, I could never get that past 1300. I was like, what the hell? Yeah. Um, what, what, I mean, I would play over, I would play for fun with my friend who was like 2000 on Lee Chess and I would beat them like, you know, half the time or like 40% of the time or something. And I was All like, right. why is my rating on chess.com so low? This makes no sense. Um, this was last year or, yeah, this was about last year. So I can't remember exactly what happened. Um, I so where was I this time last year? Any books um, or video series? Yeah, um, I I do like a lot of chess lessons. Like I have a coach who mm. is a candidate master from Venezuela, and he only charges like fifteen dollars an hour. So I would see him oh. like twice a week. Okay. So um, and then JJ, I well I didn't meet JJ until like halfway through this year. Um, and then I also worked with Sabina Foyser, who I met at the U.S. Open, which is a hmm. really cool story. I can talk about that later. Um, yeah. Um, and I don't know. One thing I think we worked on around that time was like, uh, like learning like end games and like very hmm. like fundamental concepts of chess. Like, like yeah, oh. I still worked on my Catalan. I still worked on at the time. I still played the King's Indian. Actually, no. I started playing the Sicilian Accelerated Dragon because my friend was like, the Pierre defense isn't that good. You should play the Accelerated Dragon instead. Um, okay. So that's what I played. Okay, interesting. So we're switching up our openings a bit. Yeah, we... you're just gonna, I'm fitting them out, you know? <clears throat> yeah, yeah. And then, so end games is this when you learn like basics, like opposition, or did you already have that? Yeah, kind of no, no, that? no. I I had oh, my okay. coach like teach me like king and like he taught me like king and pawn end games and stuff. Then the okay. like over oh, the kept blowing my mind at that time was like, so wait, if I move my king to this square, it's a draw. <laughs> but if I move the king to this square that is right next to it, I'm completely losing. This doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like yeah. Yeah, those are the king and pawn games just like blew my mind i was like what if i move my king here i'm losing but this is a draw they look like the same square um yeah and then um like i know sabina taught me like the lucena position and stuff mm. um and then like we would go over middle games and stuff um the thing is i don't think my improvement is like integral to like or having a coach was integral to my improvements like people mm-hmm. can make it very far like i have a friend who's gotten to like you know 1700 uscf and 2000 chess.com without having like a coach and gotcha. he just learns everything on his own um, right but i learn really well whether it's just like school or something or chess or something i like having like a tutor to help me helps my brain yeah comprehend stuff i think i, I, I think struggle to learn things by myself yeah i think that's an important thing to know about yourself right like if you will have a substantial gain from a coach or a minimal gain. I find it hard to believe that someone would have no gain gain from a coach. But I see what you're saying. Like, if you clearly know your weaknesses and you're a good self-motivated learner, then a coach might have less impact than, you know, if you know you just learn better from other people. Yeah. Um. And also, if anyone listening is interested in my $15 an hour coach, you can just message me on Twitter. 
That's awesome. I, I'm pretty interested. Every new so I student, I get him. Every new student I get him, I get a free lesson. So, oh, that's a good deal. To, yeah, to that's a great deal. <laughs> um, um, I have a, a really good question for you. Well, I don't know if it's a good question, but you you said you were playing the Catalan, but you didn't know basic endings. I feel like whenever I play the Catalan, like most of those games go to end games, so that I can see why that would have had such a huge impact on your rating. Um, just sort of learning those basic endings. Yeah, um, yeah, I that's a good point. Like, I um, I didn't like, I wasn't really playing the Catalan, I was playing the Catalan like setup, but either my opponent would play something weird or I would play yeah. something weird. Um, so, but yeah, that is a good point. Like, learning endings was basic. Also, like, I think I still had the habit of like trading pieces and like that when I was down upon it in endgame, like. I think I think it, I didn't completely like recognize that concept until I was like around thirteen hundred on chess.com. And I remember at the World Open, I was still like um like I was down a pawn in a rook end game and I traded rooks and just lost. <laughs> like uh, I still didn't yeah, even yeah. fully understand that concept. Yeah. So it was very an elementary understanding. Of, okay. Of so it sounds like you worked through this thirteen hundred plateau by sort of working with coaches, getting a really good handle on at least the basics of end games. Um, what sort of propelled, propelled the next step? Um, well, I think we need to go back a little bit because um, this right. is around my first summer. Like I get into over the board tournaments. So nice. I'll talk about um, that summer because I didn't really start moving up from 1300 until that summer, until like a little month after that summer. So this is summer 2021 and I get into my first tournaments. Um, mm. thing is that's weird about me is I would be like a 1300 and I didn't know a lot of elementary chess concepts, but I would still like have surprisingly close games against really high rated players. Mm. Um, so I got into my first USCF tournament. It was a club tournament. I showed up with my 118 rating. There was an over <laughs> 1000 and under one section. And I was like, I'll play the over 1000, please. And he's like, the guy's like, are you sure? And I'm like, yes. <laughs> um, the first round I had a buy because I was the lowest rated there and there was an odd number. Second yep. round, I'm playing a 2100. <laughs> and somehow, like, I la I'm, after 20 moves, the position is like plus one in my favor. It was like a King Fianchetto Kings Indian. Wow. Um, and I had a really nice position um, by like move 25. Like, it was never worse for me for the first 25 moves. It was only like plus one to plus two. Um, but the thing is, because I didn't know a lot of elementary chess concepts, I had no idea how to convert that advantage. Uh, yeah. um, so I ended up, he ended up pulling ahead. You know, we both got low on time. He figured out how to like break open the position and beat, attack me and, and I lost. But after uh -huh. the game, he was like, wow, <laughs> you played well for a 100. And I was like, thank you. <laughs> and then round yeah. two, I was playing a 1500 and I was up two pawns and I was doing pretty well. But then I blundered like a checkmating attack. Mm. Um, like it was winning for me. I was up two pawns and then he just like did counterplay and I panicked and didn't know how to defend myself. Yeah. In the last game, I was playing a 17, like 50. And somehow I, um, I blundered a piece. Like I blundered a, an absolute pin on my knight, but mm. I got two pawns for it. So it oh. wasn't easily winning because it was an end game. Mm -hmm. So I end up going into an end game where I have three pawns and he has one pawn. He has a rook and knight and I have a rook and it ends up being equal according to the computer. 
Like the end game is equal. I easily hold that end game now. I could probably even like I was actually kind of pushing for a win with my past pawn, but yeah. I wandered a knight and rookmate <laughs> low on time. Uh, yeah. Um, so that was my first tournament. I lost all three games, but they were all really close. Yeah, I bet the people there, you kind of sounded like Beth Harmon, right? Going to your first tournament and then being like, Yeah, I want to play in the open section. Like, what you've never played chess, and <laughs> with you, it's even worse, right? With you, like you have a rating of one hundred. You not only have you played in tournaments, you didn't win very many games. <laughs> yeah, um, yeah. So that was funny. That's cool. That sounds like a fun first tournament. So going into that and tournament, then, were you worried at all, or nervous, or what were your thoughts? God, I'm having like problems remembering. Um, I'm trying to remember. It was like I definitely was excited. Okay. Um, and the thing is, I had high expectations for myself. I wasn't going into, I think I had like confidence because I was going into it. I was like, I think I had confidence because I would like play well against my friend who was like 2000 on Lee Chess. So even mm -hmm. though my chess.com rating wasn't very high, like I know I'm capable of competing with pretty strong people. Yeah. Um. So that was my mentality going into that. And then for my second tournament, I played in the World Open. <laughs> Oh, is that where we met? No, this was 2021 World Open. Okay, so this was a year before that. Okay. Yeah, this was this was 2020, summer 2021. Going into that, I actually had very high expectations because mm. I was like, oh, I, I was in a drawn endgame versus 1700. I was completely winning against this 1500. Like, I can easily win this U1400 division. I was like, I didn't really uh -huh. fully grasp how hard the World Open was. Like, <laughs> yeah. I didn't realize, like, it's a lot harder. And I actually wish I played U1100 instead because I probably would have had chances to win that section. But, oh, my goodness. Yeah. But U4, I play U1400, and I have pretty high expectations. Um, But I do end up getting humbled at the tournament. So I did get – you know, I got a full point buy in the first round because I was the lowest rated in the section. Um, yeah. And then I started off – with that, I started off two and a half out of three with a win and a draw versus, like, 1300s. Nice. And then I, I lost a game. The game I lost was one of those, like, we had, like, a continuation of, like, trades, like a capture chain. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I'm up a pawn. I come out of this capture chain of a pawn. I got this. And then two moves later, I'm like, wait a minute. Where, why does he have an extra piece? <laughs> I was like, uh -huh. well, what happened? Why does he have an extra piece? Like, what? what, what? <laughs> so I ended up losing that game. Um, and then I went three and a half out of five. Still, like, in competition for, you know, yeah. top. Awesome. Um, but then I proceeded to lose all the rest of my four games. I just got oh, really God. burnt out and over. Yeah. I, I, you know. Okay. But, um, you know, my rating after that went up to like six hundred. I think I gained like three hundred below or something like that. Wait, wait. So you were three hundred. Five hundred. So I went from one hundred to five hundred after the world open. Okay. Okay. So you you were five hundred. You could have played in that low section, and you were like, "No, I'm playing in the under 1400." I yeah, love I thought I, I. Well, yeah, and another thing is, is the the lowest section only had a three day schedule, and I wanted to be there for like uh, the five day schedule. That makes um, sense. Like I didn't want to. I was like, I want to be here the whole time. Like, yeah, that was another motivating factor. But I also <laughs> was like very overconfident. I was like, "Oh, I could win you 1400. Like, I got this." Yeah. Um. And then the next tournament was a Southern Open and a few mm. weeks later. And I ended up going four out of five in U1200 with my, my wow. rating. I think my live rating was like 500. 
but my posted rating was still 118 because it what I didn't cross the the June supplement. I didn't mm -hmm. cross the July supplement yet. Yeah. So yeah. Um, and I actually won mixed doubles. So I got like $300. My friend and I won mixed doubles. That's nice. So yeah. And then with that $300, I go to the U.S. Open. Okay. Um, and at the U.S. Open, in the first round in New Jersey, I beat a 17.50 with my 118. My rating was still 118. It was posted. <laughs> I actually went up to 800 after the Southern Open. Yeah. But the U.S. Open, for some reason, always uses the June rating, not the July. Uh, so I was still 118 on the tournament sheet. <laughs> These poor opponents of yours, they're like, what is happening? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then in the second round, I was paired against WGM Sabina Poyser, former U.S. Women's Champion. Oh, wow. And I was like kind of nervous. I was like, oh shit, this is going to be crazy. Um, but yeah. somehow it's another one of those games where like, I, oh, so she plays into like Catalan theory that I know super well. So nice. I end up having a really nice position on move 20. The, the evaluation is like plus two. Wow. Um, and all I had to do was find the C5 pawn break, which I would have found now. But back then yeah. I knew the opening, but I didn't know like, the middle game concepts of oh in the Catalan you if black allows it you want to push c5 and gotcha. and try and suffocate their light square bishop yeah it's on b7 um she yep. played that variation against me um so i didn't know that so that's an example of me like knowing openings very well but not knowing the middle game ideas mm -hmm. so um she ends up equalizing. I actually just like hang a pawn out of nowhere because that's like the 100 in me like kicking in. But my yeah, position yeah. was so good. My position was so good. The computer valuation was still equal despite me being down a pawn. Wow. Um, and we go into a, she has two knights and I have two bishops. We go into an end game. I'm down a pawn. She has two knights. I have two bishops. Um, and we're doing the, the four day schedule. So it's only 60 D5. And we mm. both get really low on time. Like I had a minute. She had three minutes. Yeah. Um, and I ended up wondering a second pawn low on time. And then it was just easy for, from there. Um, but, you know, I was proud that like she used, had to use her time against me. You know, she didn't just like blitz out. Yeah. Every move. Must and have been after terrifying the... for her. She's like, this person is 100 <laughs> and I'm struggling. Yeah. Um, I actually saw her in the, at a restaurant in the hotel after the games that night. And I came up to her and said, hi. And she was like, you played really well. And I was like, thank you very much. And I was like, I thought you were going to think I'm cheating because I had a nice position and I'm 118. She's like, no, it's okay. And she's like, it's also, it's also not FIDE rated. So the rating doesn't bother, wouldn't have bothered me as much. Cause I was like, what if I was like, I knew you wouldn't have accepted a draw. So I knew I had to play till like King versus King. That was my yeah. only chance of drawing this game. She's like, well, it isn't FIDE rated. So I wouldn't have worried about the rating as much. Mm. Okay. Um, so yeah, but then after that, I, I did like burn out and lost a few close games to 1600s consecutively. And then I mm -hmm. only finished like two and a half out of nine. Mm -hmm. I I like those are my first few tournaments and I really struggled with like stamina. Yeah. And also like yeah. having a really crushing loss. Like I lost. Yep. I was up a pawn against 1600. And I ended up blundering into a losing uh, king and pawn endgame. Mm. Um, and that game was so crushing. It just like ruined my whole tournament. <laughs>
But the funny yeah. thing about that 1600 opponent is before the game, he was looking at the pairing sheet, like freaking out about playing me because he saw who I beat in the previous rounds. Yeah. And like, he's like, I, my friends overheard him. Like, I'm playing a 118 that has a win versus 1700. What the hell? <laughs> <laughs> and yep. like, I was super close to like beating him or at least drawing mm. him. Um, yeah. That's funny. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of those challenges of being new to tournaments, like especially the nine round one. And then also figuring out how to regulate the highs of the great victories and the lows of the horrible losses. And I know it's something I'm still working on trying to get a good hold on. Like I, I feel the same if early in a big tournament, I have a horrible loss. I just have a hard time like sleeping and shaking it off. And it can be really challenging. Yeah. What a first um, summer though. So why did you play so many tournaments? Did you, Playing that first one and just fall in love, or oh, I, I loved it. And oh, and I forgot to mention, I made a lot of friends. Um, I made friends at the World Open, who then I who I then stayed with at the U.S. Open in New Jersey. That's so cool. I had a lot of fun, even though two of the three tournaments I had disappointing results. Um, well, I mean, for 118, I guess they were decent results, but um, but for what I thought I could have done, they were disappointing. Yeah, and that's the challenge, right, of regulating, like, you do awesome, but you're like, well, sure, but I thought I would do even better than that. And you're like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> so after that summer, um, I actually, like, got stuck at, I was stuck at 1300chess.com, and I actually deleted my account because I was like, screw this, I'm not making any progress. And then I started playing on Lee Chess, and I was about 1900 on Lee Chess. Um, Space Amy, or Amy on Twitter, um, yeah. they pointed this out where she's like I'm stuck at a rating on chess.com and I go on Lee Chess and I get to like 1800 and like you know yeah. Lee Chess is higher rate like the rating isn't more higher than chess.com but like 1800 to her like 1000 chess.com rating that that's not like an equation yeah. between Lee chess.com that's just like her I guess doing a lot better on that website I had yeah. a similar phenomenon where I could not break 1300 on chess.com. And then I go to Lee Chess and I'm already, in. I like, I play a few games. I win, I win a lot of games and I get from like 1700 to 1900. Um, mm. So then after playing on Lee Chess for a bit, it gave me the confidence to re-download chess.com and I made a new account. Mm. So that's why if anyone like stalks my chess.com account, they won't see like 800 <laughs> to 1800. Yeah. They'll see, um, like 1200 to 1800 over the past year right that's really um, interesting so yeah so yeah so when i read like, out my chest stock <laughs> i was just gonna say it feels like um taking all that time to play such serious over the board chess seems to kind of just like have elevated your game do you, do you agree oh, with that totally that... yes okay. yeah I and, think... and i guess the next question is do you after that summer did you feel like online chess lost some of its luster because it was so different compared to over the board or were you still able to get as excited and amped up for for uh, online chess well over the board was definitely more exciting um but it was also super intense and made me really nervous mm -hmm. the online chess was fun in the sense that i didn't have to stress as much over it but um oh, no. That makes sense. So over yeah. the board is still kind of stressful, but but like worthy. Yeah, it's definitely a lot more fun, a lot more intense experience. I still enjoy it online, but it definitely like 
and I definitely like got had me realize like the importance of over the board chess like online mm -hmm. was a lot more casual after that like and I prioritized my over the board rating over my chess.com rating yeah um, I'm, I'm so around that fall I finally crossed like 1000 USCF I make my journey from 100 to like 1000 over that summer nice um and and then I somehow I forget I get back on chess.com about like October or September and I, I start off around like 13 back at 1300 but then yeah. something clicks and I go from like 13 to 1400 in about a month and then mm. out of nowhere I jumped from like 1450 to 1600 in like two weeks it was like something oh, wow. insane yeah. I, think, I think it took me a week to get to 1500 mm. and then I literally went from like 1500 to 1600 like in like two days I, it was crazy wow um like that happens out of nowhere like i'll be like plateauing and then something everything all of the stuff i've been learning finally clicks and then yeah. i just shoot up was that um did you take any breaks right before that or anything to let your mind sort of soak it up or you feel like it just kind of like started working its way into your chest I, I don't remember taking that many breaks. Like I may have taken breaks for a few days if I was like frustrated with how I was playing. Yeah. But um, never any like conscious breaks that lasted okay. very long. Like gotcha. it wasn't like I stopped playing and then got back into it and then did really well. I just like out yeah. of nowhere, my mental health may have been good. Mm. My mental health may have clicked. Something happened and then my rating yeah. shoots up. Interesting. But, Any materials you were going over right before that rating game that you remember? Or is it more just like all that overboard, over the board chess kind of like forcing you to think deeply about it more? Yeah, there's definitely that. Um, there's definitely like the work with my coaches. Okay. And then there was like the YouTube videos that I would watch, you know, I would watch mm. you know, Gotham chess still. Um, okay. um, and yeah, I think around then I was learning like starting to learn more advanced concepts um gotcha. of like the various end games and uh, like the Lucina position and the Philadelphia defense um you know rook end games queen pawn end games you know I was starting to learn like you know important chess concepts and middle game concepts gotcha where were you learning um, these concepts from mostly like Gotham chess or did you have like any no no uh, my coaches okay your coaches okay and then you know some sometimes i would get um oh yeah i'm outside now so i'm sorry if you hear any like car noises yeah it's all right we're good okay um okay that's cool so it sounds like your um, coaches then had a pretty and then they, they would send me like resources like pdfs or something like that mm, okay yeah that's cool um so how do you what do you feel like accounts for that last bit of your journey from 1600 to 1800 yeah, that one was a struggle. Um, mm. I actually was stuck between at sixteen hundred from that November, so I get from fifteen hundred to sixteen hundred in like a week or something like crazy like that. Um, the greatest week of your life. <laughs> um, <laughs> but then I'm from I'm stuck at sixteen hundred for a while. Like I think it was like from that November until like. Like, I don't know, a long time. Um, hmm. Or maybe it was later than November. I think it was November. Um, I can actually pull up my chart. <laughs> my, 
But yeah, I was stuck for like at least five to six months at 1600, around 1600. Gotcha. Okay, And then so I this. finally got to, I finally got to 1700. What do you feel like got you over that hump from 1600 to 1700? I don't know. I just kept studying and like my over the board rating was going up. Like I crossed 1600, uh, I crossed 1500 USCF. Mm. Um, I was improving over the board. My online rating was not always corresponding with that. Yeah. So it feels like your coaches were just really helping you. And at $15 a lesson, uh, I feel like yeah. this coach is going to get a lot more work. Okay. So here's my chart. I went from 1550 to 1620 in a day. <laughs> a day. <laughs> <laughs> wow. That's a good day. Yeah. And then that was November. So then I'm stuck at 1600 for from that November to May. So that's like seven months. Seven months. Yeah. Fluctuating yeah. between low and high 1600. Yeah, that's a long time. Okay. And then in that period, are you playing more over-the-board chess? Because I know... Yeah, yeah. I played a lot of over-the-board chess. Okay. Okay, excellent. So you're sticking my with over-the-board. The board. Yeah, and my rating was going up, like I said. Like, it went from... <clears throat> it went from, you know, 11 to 12, 13, 14, 1,500. Mm -hmm. um, you know... Um, so my over-the-board rating was going up, but online it was stagnating, which was frustrating, but, you know, it happens. Yeah. Um, and then I think I kind of stagnated at 1,700 for, you know, from May till like a month ago. Like I, mm. like a month ago, I consistently was staying, I kind of started consistently staying above, like two months ago maybe, I was consistently staying above 1,750. Okay. Um, and then eventually, like two weeks ago, I got to like 1790 and didn't tank because nice. I got to 1790 a few times and like lost. Um, yeah, yeah. This That's time like... I, I finally broke it, finally broke the hump. And I was super excited. I was actually really hoping that I would be able to get like my, my, like my series of eights, my 800 uh... to 1818 months. I was like, I have to get it done. Uh... Yeah, that'd be cool. Well, that's quite a run. Um, I'm wondering in this time, I know over the summer we met at the World Open and it seemed like you were playing in a section where you were trying to win. What was your strategy in this in this period? Yeah. Uh, you know, like say the last year, have you been trying to win sections? Have you been playing up? How have you been approaching? Yeah, I've learned a lot this summer. So I'll start by just talking about some previous tournaments where I did well. Um, my first like big win at a tournament, I got I, I got second place in U eleven hundred at the Midwest Class back in November. Nice. And my friend and I also won mixed doubles. We ended up getting like six hundred dollars. I got six hundred dollars total. Wow. And a nice plaque. And awesome. then my you know there there were some like disappointing results too in between this. I like I got four out of six and didn't place at the U twelve hundred Florida State Championship that fall. Mm. So I had mixed results. Um. And then uh, in the winter, January, January, um, I actually won my first tournament. I was around 1,200 ELO, and I won the U1450 section of the Gulf Coast New Year's Open. Ooh, and I got a nice cool. trophy. 
Awesome. Um, and I actually posted on Reddit r slash chess a picture of me with my trophy and it's now the third all-time highest upvoted post on r slash chess i oh, recently that's... just crossed i recently just crossed to Kara nakamura's birthday post and i'm also ahead of levy's marriage announcement oh wow it's actually funny so i was like 100 upvotes behind hikaru's post and then once i went on chess fields jj gave like my post a shout out I was like everyone upvote this post so then that gave me the push I needed to finally cross a car. That's um, cool. So yeah, so that happened. That was super cool. Um, and um, from that 1200, I got to like 1400. And then, you know, a few months later, I get to 1500. Yeah. I, I played in tournaments, but I didn't have any like major results uh, between then and this summer. Gotcha. My first tournament of the summer was the U.S. Women's Open in Las Vegas. And in the first round, I was playing against a 2100 rated WFM on the DGT board. And it, Whoa, was, a close cool. ca- it was a closed Catalan. I was about 1500 ELO. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, it's an equal middle game. Um, and I actually made a positional blunder because I didn't know what I was doing. And then it was like, my position was absolutely terrible. It was miserable to play. Material was equal. I just like couldn't move my pieces. It was an end game. It was like two rooks in a night endgame, mm-hmm. um, equal pawns. I just could not move any of my pieces because my pieces were all tied together by a pin. So, oh, wow. but there was no clear win. Like there was no like immediate tactic to take advantage of it. Like, yeah. Um. So I just kept shuffling my rook back and forth. She was trying to do her worst to me. Um, yeah. And eventually, like, she messes up and trades down in a way where she, like, wins a pawn. But I think she misses that I win the pawn back. And then we're now we're just in an equal night endgame. Wow. Um, and then she blunders um, me sacrificing my knight for her past pawn because she had a past queen side pawn. And mm-hmm. she had two king side pawns, and I had three king side pawns. And our pawns were locked. So uh-huh. I could sack my knight for her pawn, and her king and knight are too far away to stop me from trading off her remaining pawns. So oh, I actually wow. correctly saw that and took sacked my knight. She said she missed that too. I sack my knight. She takes, and I have two king moves. One of them, no, I have two moves. One of them draws. One of them loses. And oh, I no. play the losing move. <laughs> no. Apparently, I had to push the. I had to sack a pawn to break up her pawn structure, and then my king comes in and eats up her pawns, and it's just a draw. Gotcha. But I move my king to the pawn. I I move my king to the pawn clump, but right. that one tempo allowed her knight to come in and block me from trading off her last pawn, and that's how uh, she won. Wow. Oh my god! Yeah, that was so tragic. I I was so demoralized because she knew it was a draw. Like she was shaking her head. I was yeah. like visibly smiling as we played the last few moves because I was like, oh my God, I'm about to draw a WFM over the board. Let's go. Let's and it's FIDE rated. Oh my God. Oh so wow. Cool. And I was just so disheartened after I realized that I had screwed it up. Um yeah. and I started crying. Um, oh, but the, the DGT director, like the last arbiter in there, because we were the last game to finish in round one. He was like, you played so well, you should be proud of yourself. And I was like, no, I always choke with my tirade players. I hate this so much. And then in the next round, I, I blundered a piece versus an 1100 and withdrew from the tournament. <laughs> I was so demoralized from round one uh, that in round two, I blundered a tactic versus 1100 and lost. 
Yeah. Um, so the women's open and national open are like a few days apart. Like they're like literally like mm-hmm. back to back. So I decided to withdraw from the women's open to prepare for the national open and do the full uh, four day schedule instead of playing a shortened schedule. Cause gotcha. I was already like pretty much eliminated from placing at the women's open. Like I was like, I may as well save yeah. my energy for the main mm-hmm. event. Okay. You know, I debated playing up. I debated playing for prize money. So I ended up settling on U 1500 with my like 1490 rating. Okay. And I start off three and oh, three out of three. Um, and the cool thing about the national open is the top board in each section is to play on the DGT broadcast boards. Ooh. So I was, I got to play a few games on the broadcast with my friends watching. That's cool. But my nerves were very bad in, in mm. round four. I was, I was feeling pretty sick from nerves and stuff. And I just took a very early draw. Okay. It's like someone lower rated than me. And then I drew round five against someone who I was actually completely losing against. That was the cool, yeah. like the, the only time I was losing in that whole tournament uh, was that round five game. Um, okay. But I managed to hold on. And then I get a really nice win round six. It was probably one of the best games I've played all summer. JJ was really? watching the game and I played like an amazing night sacrifice and he was watching me play it and I was like smiling and he said I had a, it was so cute watching me like play that move and start smiling. That's cool. Um, And then round seven, this is one of my like embarrassing chess stories. I um, I put a blunder to peace in the opening and I was like, oh, oh my God, I'm about to win this game and tie for first. I'm going to yeah. get some big money and tie for first. Let's go. Because I was five out of six going into last round. Yeah. And I was going around telling all my friends, I was telling JJ, like everyone when they were up walking around, I was like, Look at my board, look at my board, look at my board. Yeah. Um, and like <clears throat> I just have like I just like start playing terribly and just like letting my I just don't kick I don't like end the game when I should. Like I I I I, I prolong the game by playing very lazy moves, not calculating, not thinking very hard. Mm-hmm. And then slowly and surely the game becomes harder and harder for me to win. Yeah, it goes from an easy up a piece end game to up a piece, but my opponent has a pass pawn that I'm stuck trying to defend against. Right, and then it becomes like up a piece, but my opponent's pawns are like he's running to trade off my remaining pawns. Mm-hmm. And slowly but surely, um, it ends up being a drawn end game up a piece. Um, oh, that's tough because not like he was. I couldn't stop him from trading off. He it was two on one and he had a passed pawn. It was actually two on two, but it was two on one on the king side. Yeah. And there was no way for me to stop him from trading off the pawn into a drawn wrong bishop endgame. Wrong uh. bishop wrong, wrong pawn endgame. So I couldn't stop him from doing that. Um, and that was so tragic. I tied for fourth place because of that draw. I got like four hundred dollars, which was like, you know, not bad, but I was like, we're getting ready to win like twelve hundred bucks or something like that for a tie reverse. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, you know, that was a big lesson that I learned. Um, yeah, that was we've had. Minute. It's funny because we've had such wildly different experiences at tournaments. Like my goal is always just not to like lose most of my games, and your goal is to like get first place and get money. And I, it's always fascinating for me. And I'm like, man, I never earn any trophies or get any money. I don't know. Maybe I'm playing up too much. Yeah, I I tend to not play up. Um, oh, there's another funny tournament. I don't need that much detail, but 
I played in the Space Coast Open in um, April, and I was about to, um, in the last round, all I needed was a draw to get first place. Oh, wow. And like 800 bucks in a trophy, and I, I blundered a piece in the opening. Um, it was <laughs> oh. just another embarrassing, it was just another Sam moment where I collapsed in the last round. Um, yeah. I still got second place, but it was like a oh, mega tie awesome. for second, so I only got like $150 instead. Mm hmm but, you know, I think I it's a lot so of these cool, Sam moments in chess. <laughs> You're getting all these amazing high pressure like moments in chess, which I think is just yes. going to help you long in the long run. Because I haven't had any high pressure moments. So when I finally get one, I will have my, you know, choke moment because I haven't had those moments yet where it feels like you're setting yeah. yourself up for this success. Yeah, that's a great point. I haven't really thought about that as much. I mean, I've thought about like, damn, I have so much experience choking in the last round. Um, <laughs> yeah. But now that you say that, like, like I'm going to have more opportunities in the future. And yeah, all mm -hmm. these experiences of, for example, that game where I blooded a piece, that was me underestimating my opponent. Because um, right. someone who I beat crushed that guy. And he was only uh, like 1,200 ELO playing U1600. And I was like, oh, I, I can easily draw this guy. And I blunder a piece. Um, yeah. And then I well, to be fair, I have succeeded once in the uh in the tournament I won, I needed a win in the last round with black and I won. So I succeeded oh. in that. Okay. But there's and like when I got second place, like I need I could have won and got first, but instead I drew and then I have a lot of second, fourth place finishes where I draw in the last round instead of winning. So you know, I have I have a mixed bag. Yeah. I um, finally had one of those this past week at my tournament. It it was a six week tournament. It wrapped up. And I realized when I saw the pairings that if I win my game, I tie for first. Now there's no money on the line. There's no trophy on the line, but there were a lot of ELO points. And I was like, come on, Kevin, you can win this. And I did not. The 1800 level player beat me and it was sad. And then I only gained 10 points. And it was kind of like, oh, the journey is so hard. Why does it have to be so hard? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, but I would say like, it depends, like there's two perspectives on it, right? Like you play up a lot and get a lot of good experience. Um, I tend to not play up at least in the past. I haven't played in like a big tournament since the U S open. And in that one, there was only one section. So the last mm -hmm. time I had to decide on what section to play in was the world open back in July. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, so I, I think there's pros and cons each one i think it's good to mix it up because like winning at winning and placing is like really good for the it, it's, a, it's a mood boost it gets you really excited and happy about like your progress in chess yeah um, especially when you're like me when you're dependent on your parents it shows them like hey this is a mm. passion that is worth your support yeah that's a good point um so yeah i i play you 1600 at the world open next and I start off um like three and a half out of four. Um, but then I draw I lose a really tough game in round five. Um mm. and then I win round six. So I'm four and a half out of six. Um and then I collapsed from there and I lost round seven, eight, and I actually I lost round seven and eight, and then I was so sad that I didn't play round nine. I withdrew. Yeah, I think I met you after round eight. And you had a far better score than I had. And you were like devastated. And I was happy. I was like, yes, 
I'm 50% and you're like, I'm crushing it, but not crushing it as hard as I need to, to win money. And I was like, man, what a, what a weird thing chess is where you have a better score than I do, but you are very unhappy with your result. And I'm very happy with mine. Yeah. That's a benefit of playing up is because <clears throat> playing you 1600 at the world open, I wasn't like celebrating my individual wins. I was like, okay, I, I should have yeah. won that game. And I did like, okay, no big deal. We have to focus on the next game. Um, right. But when you're playing U2000 or whatever, and you beat an 1800, you're like, hell yeah, my whole day is made. Whereas mm -hmm. in me beating like a 15 or 1400, I was like, okay, I better, I should, I needed to win that game. And I did. So it was right. like, a, it wasn't as much of like a, oh yeah, I won. It was more of like a thank, thank God I won. Like, yeah, it wasn't something to celebrate. It was just like, this is what I should have done. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, yeah, I gained that was a learning experience. About 50 rating points from the world open by going three and a half out of eight. <laughs> so that was interesting. Yeah. Um, my friend got second place in U1200 and got $2,000. So I was yeah. jealous of her. <laughs> yeah, that would be cool. I definitely did not win any money at the world open. I spent money at the world open, but I did not win any money. Yeah. And I think there's also a difference when like you're a kid and you like want to win money to like help support your chess endeavors versus like when you're an adult and like you already can afford it yourself. You don't need to like win money to pay for the next tournament. Yeah. So like adults are more inclined to play up because they're just doing it for fun. Yeah. Um, that's a good point. So and then the US Open me... comes. Yeah. Next. Oh yeah. No, no. Go ahead. Yeah. Let's wrap up with the US Open. How'd yeah. Go? US Open was a fun tournament. Um, me and the Trans Chess Club fundraised on Twitter to help support our journey. And That's we cool. made like $1,100, which was super cool. That's and awesome. you know what? I might even take the time to shout out our top donor. One of our yeah. top donors was Grandmaster Dwayne Jones, which I was like, that is super cool. That's cool. And then there was one guy named uh, Sean Slavin, who is like somewhat popular on Chess Punk's Twitter. Um, yeah. Um, he donated a nice sum of money to us too. So I wanted to give him a shout out, um, cool. to make our journey possible. Um, and that's in California. Mm -hmm. Um, we fly out to, well, I flew into Los Angeles so I could say hi to my friends that live there. And then I took a train to Palm Springs Nice. Um, and I'm staying there with my friends and staying with, you know, my friend, national master Billy, and then my friend, Saya. And then our friend whose show who just crossed National Master uh, was also staying there with his dad. Um, so we had a little gang together. Um, and it was so much fun. Uh, the first round I was playing against a 2150. Well, his, his his June rating was 2020, but he went up from 2020 to 2150 in those two months. His live oh, rating wow. was 2150. Yeah. And his fee day was like 2180. Oh, wow. Um, but US Open wasn't fee day rated, sadly. And I was like going over the trying to prep with JJ and JJ is like, because we found, you know, he plays the open Sicilian and stuff because I was black. Mm -hmm. um, and JJ was like, he grew so much in two months. He's bound for like a disappointing result. No one gets, no one, no one gains that much ELO without a disappointing result. Okay. Um, so yeah, you know, the first 15 moves was just opening theory. He played a Richter Rouser attack against me. Um, and then I just make one really stupid pawn push. I mm. prematurely pushed e5, 
and it just made the position like plus two already. Um, oh, wow. But like he was up a pawn. We go into an end game, but it, it's only plus two, right? It's not like it's it's probably winning, but it's like you gotta you know convert yeah. it. And then he like goes for a tactic that like I saw, and I was like, okay, I'm going to play f6 to make sure that tactic doesn't work. All and right. then he does it anyway, and I'm like, uh, wait, what? And I just take it. I just accept the knight, and I'm like, and he just like starts shaking his head. Is like he's oh, like 13, no. right? So he was very emotional. Like he stormed out, like went to the bathroom, came back like 20 minutes later. Yeah. Um, and he ends up down two pawns for a piece. <laughs> oh wow! So I end up having to convert that end game, two pawns. So I have a bishop for two extra bishop for two pawns. He has one bishop. I have two bishops. He's up two pawns and it, it took some time, but I eventually converted it. And the end game wasn't necessarily easy. Like a 1500 playing that end game against the 2100. Like yeah. I feel like a more often than not, that end game ends in a draw. Oh my goodness. Um, so I was like, JJ was really proud of me for converting it because like earlier that summer, I blundered the easily winning end game against the, the 1400. So mm -hmm. I, this time I converted a harder end game against the 2100. Because JJ and I were actually working on, um, one of my problems was converting winning positions. So we were mm -hmm. actually leading up to the US Open. We would play out me versus him, me up, me in winning positions, like up you know, an exchange or up uh, a pawn in an end game or something. Yeah. Know, winning positions. And we would practice. And um, that's good sparring. He's really proud of me. And then the next round, I, one of the problems is I'm learning. It's a learning experience. I drank a lot of caffeine because that game went like four and a half hours. Mm. Um, and I was drinking caffeine at like 11 p.m. So, uh, and plus the adrenaline rush of winning that game. Yeah. I was so excited. Um, I was so excited I couldn't sleep. I went to bed at 3 a.m. and woke up at 7 and couldn't go back to sleep. I basically <sighs> screwed myself over the next day. Yeah. And I was paired against another 2150 in the second round. And um I did pretty well. Like he was really down on time. Like I had 45 minutes and he had like 10. Like he was Ooh, burning wow. through time out of the opening. I guess he, I guess hmm. I I guess my I was better out of the opening and he was spending a lot of time. Hmm. Um so I was really confident. I was like, oh, I could go a two out of two, like, or at least one and a half out of two. Um, but then I made some slight positional inaccuracies that allowed him to equalize. Um, and then I, he has two minutes. I have 30 minutes and he proceeds to play me, outplay me. He gets on the 30 seconds to my 20 minutes and I offered oh. him a draw and he thought about it because he was definitely like slightly worse with 30 seconds left. Yeah. But because I was 600 points lower rated than him, he's like, um, let's play it out of it. Um, yeah. and he proceeded to grind me down over the next two hours because the game went on. It was another four-hour game, and he proceeded to outplay me in that wow. end game, and then I ended up losing, and it made me really sad, but... Yeah, um, that's tough. Oh, my roommate just came in. Um, okay, um, so it sounds like... Friend, yeah. Oh, the, the guy she's with is the other chess guy at the school. The oh, that's... Guy's cool. like, 1800 on Lee chess, which is cool. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the I'll just say how the tournament finished. Um, so yeah, that was a really demoralizing game, but but after the game, he was like, You're super underrated. He's like, I was really scared to play you after your win, your round one win. And I like bet. you were definitely outplaying me for like the first half of the game. Um 
And, you know, that's a, that's an example of like my opening knowledge helping me because I outplay or play to the level of really high rated people because like mm -hmm. openings, I know opening, I know a lot of openings as well as they do. But what yeah. I need to work on is figuring out how to play the middle and end game at their level because I really choked in that end game. Like he just outplayed me in an equal from an equal end game. Yeah, with no time also, which is hard. Yeah, he he slowly equalized on the clock. Like it was 30 mm -hmm. seconds to 20 minutes. And slowly mm -hmm. and slowly we got down to us both being playing off increments. Mm. Um and I yeah, and I I I wondered, you know, I, I just he just slowly wore me down. And then for the rest yeah. of the tournament, I, I did go one and a half out of five for the first five rounds, but my average opponent ELO was two thousand. <laughs> yeah. Um, That's amazing. And all the games except one, I only got crushed in one game against a nineteen hundred. Um, her name was Chloe Gosh. She's like she's young and she's like nineteen hundred. She crushed me, but all the other mm -hmm. games were close. Um, because I guess her like I I blundered in the opening. Um, yeah. And then I only finished four out of nine, which was a bit disappointing. Hmm. Um, I did gain like thirty elo from like you know, and I finished yeah. half point short of prize money. Um, Ooh. Okay. Um, but you know, it was a, definitely a learning experience. Like I gained a lot of experience. I met a lot of really cool people. Um, that's awesome. Yeah. I really like that. Well, as we wrap up here today, I think my takeaway from this interview is that you've played a lot of over the board chess and not just over the board chess, but like for high stakes, right? Like with money on the line with chances to win. And it feels like, those experiences have really helped cement your learning and allowed you to dive deep into chess. And then also it sounds like just working with coaches has really helped your progress a lot. Does that sound like a good summary yes, of, exactly. of a lot of your progress? I, I definitely um, recommend if you can afford it, trying to find a coach. I mean, or you could be a learner that learns well on your own, but I'm definitely mm -hmm. not that type of person. And then over the board chess definitely helped me grow a lot. Like I definitely wouldn't have gotten this good this fast. Well, I don't, well, I'm not that. I, I com Comparatively, I'm good, but compared mm -hmm. to people that I play with, I'm not that good. Um, compared to my trans chess club friends who are all like masters or like, we have like six masters and like a few, like a lot of 2000s. So <laughs> I'm not that good compared to them. But um, um, I'd say playing high stakes over the board chess. Nice. But even then, like, even if you play over the board, you're not guaranteed high stakes chess. I don't know. I just have played well in a lot of tournaments. I've, I've won about like $2,000 in total, um, but I've That's probably crazy. spent more than that traveling for chess. Um, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I don't know. I guess I have some finishing finishing comments I could make. All right. Go for um, it. Yeah. Just about like future, future plans. Um, yeah, going into chess, like when I was first starting out getting back into chess, I didn't have any big goals or anything, but as of the past few months, you know, I, I beat my first IM in a rated tournament. It was Blitz and he was an older guy. So Blitz isn't his strong suit, but like, I really thought that was, I was really happy with myself because it was USC yeah. rated. That's impressive. Um, yeah. You know, but he's, he's like 60. He's not at his best anymore. Like Blitz is definitely not his strong suit, but He's you know, still an IM. Yeah. Um, and I drew him in a rapid game that was unrated. So that's cool. Um, he's at my oh, local wow. chess club. So I like playing him. Um, then there was a national match that goes there. It's a lot of fun. So, and then my friends like Billy and others who are national masters, like I'm able to compete with them and like JJ, you know, JJ's yeah. close. Um, 
I'm able to compete with them and get really close to, you know, drawing or sometimes even winning against them. So that's made me like become really confident in like my future abilities in chess. Like if I've gotten to this point this fast without really knowing what the hell I'm doing, because I still don't think I, I still don't think my study habits are that good. I don't think my learning habits are that good. I think if I had a really good study habit over the past year, I would be at like 2000 by now. Um, mm -hmm. But I'm trying to work on that. I'm trying to, and the same thing in school, like getting a good study regi regimen. Gotcha. Um, so I, I do have pretty high goals. Um, okay. What, do you have number goals or is it just to get better? Um, I want to, I want to at least get the WCM title, which is 2000 free day. Um, okay. but I don't know. I could even do better than that. If I, I don't know what my ceiling is. That's the thing. I'm not trying to sound like hockey or arrogant or anything, but like, mm -hmm. I honestly, like, because I've gotten this good, like this fast comparatively, like, yeah, I I don't know what my ceiling is. And I guess we'll find out in like the coming year or two. Um, but like, I at least want to get to 2000 FIDE and get a title. But, you know, yeah. I could even shoot for more than that. We'll see what happens. Maybe there um, is no ceiling. <laughs> yeah. I mean, <laughs> there there is a debate here. Like, if I was a little kid getting at this rate, people would be like, holy yeah. shit, you're like, you're like a prodigy. But, mm -hmm. um, but you know, is it is it more impressive as an adult to do this or than a kid? Because kids, you know, like, their brains are engineered to learn stuff like chess. And they yeah. have more free time. Like, I think adults that get good really fast, like, yeah, to, I'm to impressed. That way. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sam. Well, what an awesome journey you've been on so far. Uh, I'm impressed. I know everyone else is. I, I thank you so much for sharing uh, how you did it. If people want to get in contact with you, where where's the best place to find you? Uh, yeah, you can DM me on Twitter. Um, I'm more likely to respond if you like mention you heard me on the podcast and you asked like a concrete question i tend to not respond to just like random people who are like play me on chess.com <laughs> um fair enough um at my twitter at is celestial underscore sam underscore and i'm sure you'll probably tag me when you post this um yeah for sure um yeah and feel free to reach out um all right. And I will also probably post a Twitter thread about my like journey, like about my, my where like my practice was and what I learned over various intervals of rating and stuff to answer awesome. a lot of these questions. And and if I'm not mistaken, people should stay tuned for your future articles you're writing, perhaps. Oh yes. Um I'm writing an article for Chess Life magazine. Um I think I've taken too long for it to be in the October edition but possibly the November edition. Okay. We'll definitely be looking for that then. Well, Sam, thanks so much for joining me today. What a great journey you've had. I'm so jealous of the, of the numerous high stakes games you've played. It's making me rethink, rethink all the decisions I've made. I should be playing lower rated sections to have the chance for the glory. <laughs> But that's yeah, all right. I'd recommend, like, you don't have to do it all the time. But I'd recommend to people, like, you should, like, alternate maybe. Like, try it one tournament and then play up in the next tournament. Yeah. I'm probably yeah. playing up in the next tournament I play in. Um, next tournament I'm playing in, I think I will be able to travel to the Northeast during my fall break. And mm -hmm. I'm looking at the, the, the Hartford Open in Connecticut because it's, like, the closest tournament to New York. And I want to stay in New York area, so... 
Okay, well, there you go. Going there, feel free to reach out to me. Yeah. And I'll also be playing, I'm going to try and play at the Marshall Chess Club during the weekday events. So that'll be if fun. If you're also involved with that, please reach out to me. My rating went up to 1698. What I got to do is find an under 1700 section, Sam, and, and then try to win. That. That's <laughs> what I should yeah, do. The national week. open was, was odd number hundreds Whoa. like that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's tempting. All right, Sam. Well, thanks so much. And uh, for everyone out there, I hope this is that week where you gain all your glorious rating highs. Um, and if not, that's all right. That's all right. The plateaus are the norm. Uh, Sam had plenty of plateaus. I've had so many plateaus. So come back next week and we'll have another guest for you to help you on your journey. Goodbye, everybody. Bye, everybody.